Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include my interview with Mignon Davis on some servicing considerations, and if the housing market is already cooling off. If you try to correct my grammar, I will think fewer of you. Speaking of language, did you know that the alphabet in Hawaii only contains 12 letters? A-E-I-O-U-H-K-L-M-N-P and W? Sticklers may include an apostrophe, also known as okina, as a separate letter. And on top of that, every word ends with a vowel. It's 2,500 miles from Los Angeles to Honolulu, which is the site of the annual MBA Hawaii conference in June. Almost half of LA to Tokyo is 5,500 miles. I mention this because Japan owns $1.3 trillion in U.S. Treasury securities, and some of those have dropped as much as 10 points in value since late December. Yikes. But wait, if an investor buys an older pool of mortgages at a price of 90 and the loan pays off at 100, that's a nice gain. Meanwhile, billions upon billions of mortgage servicing rights continue to hit the market as smaller players sell their holdings to raise cash. Things are rarely boring in the capital markets. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. The firm has also consistently been recognized as one of the fastest growing firms in the country and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 in mortgage, accounting today firms to watch, and the fastest growing firms. The firm has also received multiple awards for excellence and firm culture from inside public accounting. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. Speaking of which, joining us again today is Mignon Davis from Richie May. Mignon has more than 14 years of mortgage experience in a variety of roles within the industry, including mortgage servicing, default servicing, and servicing quality control. She has worked various audit and compliance roles and has extensive experience in compliance, internal controls, risk assessment, and operational processes within the mortgage industry. She has deep expertise in the operations of a mortgage company, looking through the lens of risk and controls. And we are pleased to have Mignon on the podcast today. Welcome back, Mignon. Thank you. Hi, Robbie. Hello. Before we get started, the CFPB released an examination procedure change in March of this year. Can you help us understand this change? Sure. Yeah. On March 16th, the CFPB announced that they plan to examine servicers' decision-making processes to ensure that they are appropriately testing and monitoring for potential instances of illegal discrimination. The CFPB specifically noted that they will examine for discrimination in all areas of mortgage servicing, including collections, consumer reporting, and payment processing. The CFPB examiners will require servicers to show their processes for assessing risks and discriminatory outcomes. And this is going to include documentation of customer demographics and the impact of products and fees on different demographic groups. So a key takeaway from this change is the piece about testing and monitoring the decision-making process. Now, monitoring and testing is something that servicers do every day, but this is more complex because many servicers haven't previously collected borrower language preferences or borrower demographic information. Without this data, it's 
difficult, if not impossible, to test and monitor the decision-making process, which is what the CFPB is requiring. If I'm a lender, isn't the concept of anonymity important? Why'd this change happen? Great question. So mortgage originators have collected and analyzed Humda data for years, but that practice hasn't flowed through to mortgage servicers. To a large degree, many servicers thought that if they didn't collect this data and were therefore unaware of the borrower's demographics, that it actually helped prevent discrimination through anonymity. However, not looking at demographics in all aspects really enables bias to potentially flourish throughout organizations. That was a common mindset in the past. And in fact, the CFPB report issued last year, August 10, included data from several of the largest servicers that they submitted voluntarily for the CFPB to review and research. And the research showed that nearly half of the servicers in the report stated that they do not collect or maintain language preferences for their borrowers. Now, this may lead to borrowers not receiving needed language assistance. So this is a problem. The other issue was that some servicers stated that they do not maintain borrower race or ethnicity, again, which could lead to those fair lending violations. Now, we know more today about unconscious bias than we ever did before. And even though servicers haven't previously collected borrower demographic data or information about borrower language preferences, it's clear that servicers need to start doing this now. So an example of discrimination that could potentially happen within mortgage servicing is when a servicer uses decision-making processes to determine eligibility for a borrower with regard to loss mitigation uh, programs, could be pricing or other collection methodologies that they use. Those things can result in discrimination. Also fee waivers, um, you know, if one demographic group is more likely to receive a fee waiver than another, as far as like late fees or other servicing fees, that could be a discriminatory practice. And all of this can impact the overall customer service experience and how the borrowers are treated when they call the servicer. So right now, as borrowers near the end of their forbearances and they're calling the servicer to ask about repayment options, servicers need to keep in mind not only the requirements that they need to be following, but they need to remember the importance of fairness and treating borrowers with respect. So how does this change actually affect mortgage lenders? Well, that is a great question. So for those lenders who perform servicing in-house, they need to develop a fair servicing monitoring program. And I've outlined seven key items to consider when developing a fair servicing monitoring program. Policies and procedures, training, loan level documentation, consumer complaints, collection of data, monitoring activities, and corrective action. And we'll talk a little bit about each one of those. So the first one, policies and procedures, servicers need to clearly define their commitment to serving borrowers in a fair and equitable way. A clear, fair servicing policy that sets forth the expectations of the board and senior management is imperative. 
Ideally, this policy should be accompanied with a, a written fair servicing program that details roles and responsibilities and controls. Now for loss mitigation, uh, documentation surrounding the use of models, algorithms, and decision-making processes that are used in connection with those loss mitigation services. Also, the company, if the company allows any discretion in offering hardship or loss mitigation options, that needs to be documented and have clear parameters for exercising that discretion. Servicers also need to document their processes for fair lending monitoring activities surrounding the types of hardships and loss mitigation options that are offered to borrowers. Also, don't forget policies and procedures surrounding denials for various loss mitigation options. Um, now, denial should be reviewed for fair lending, and those policies also should be written clearly to ensure that applicants receive those adverse action notices as required by Reg B. Also under policies and procedures, servicers need to look at their limited English proficiency strategy. Now, this is a challenge given the complexities with explaining mortgage servicing, but servicers need to be prepared for this. So servicers need to document their options for borrowers with limited English proficiency. You know, are those options offered through live customer service, through translated documents? Servicers need to, to have all of that written in their policies. Servicers need to document the languages that they offer and servicing options that are provided. Also, does the entity capture and track borrowers' indicated preferences to receive services in languages other than English? For example, if a customer service rep is speaking with a borrower who wants to speak Spanish, is there an indicator in the system that that representative can check so so that further communication with that borrower will be in Spanish as well, so that they are able to track and monitor that. If customer service personnel are available to provide uh, translation services, are those employees dedicated customer service personnel, or are they people in other roles with other responsibilities that are just available, you know, as needed? And if that's the case, do those employees have the same training that the customer service representatives have, and do they have the same level of authority? That all needs to be documented. Also, if the servicer contracts with a third-party translation service, this needs to be described in the policy and oversight of that third party uh, to ensure that that party's services are consistent with the fair lending policies and procedures. The second item is training. So employee initial and ongoing training is critical for minimizing fair servicing risks, including um, employees, but also third-party service providers. They all need to be trained. Anyone who is offering or advising borrowers about loss mitigation options and services need to have this training. And any documented type and frequency needs to be documented and tracked periodically. Also, the training needs to be reviewed. Review the training materials and the content. Monitor and track the employee's completion of the training. Document a process and a disciplinary policy to deal with any deficiencies. Now, the third item is loan level documentation. Servicers need to demonstrate that they engaged in sufficient outreach to offer borrowers of all races and ethnicities appropriate loss mitigation. 
So this includes documenting the great service that you offered borrowers before making referral to foreclosure. And that is going to be uh, very critical going forward. So a good pre-referral checklist should document the outreach and it is a great tool to summarize outreach on a loan level basis. And this will be crucial for those servicers that may be called upon to demonstrate to regulators their equitable treatment of borrowers. Number four, consumer complaints. So consumer complaints always need to be tracked and monitored, but especially those that allege discrimination. Document the fair lending complaints process. Are fair lending complaints part of the servicer's general complaints process? It should be, so document this. Also, analyzing complaints helps identify potential unfair, deceptive, or abusive practices. Now, the fifth item is collection of data. The CFPB released a white paper in 2014 that outlines the methodology in its fair lending program. The article explains that the Bayesian method is used by the CFPB, which is an improved surname geocoding proxy method. Now, it's used by the CFPB to determine the race and ethnicity of consumers where lenders are not otherwise able to collect that consumer demographic information. So, like I was saying before, you know, at loan origination, they collect that Humda data of the demographics, but it doesn't flow through to servicing. So oftentimes servicers don't have the data, they aren't able to gather data. So the white paper outlines the data sources that the CFPB uses, how the method works, and the CFPB's rationale for using the method. So some servicers have done utilizing this method to capture the data since at loan origination typically does not flow through to the servicers and they had historically captured it. And this is one way that servicers have been able to work around this. So once you have this data, servicers with a sufficient account volume may also need to conduct fair lending statistical analytics regarding assistance and loss mitigation outcomes. So this process would be similar to the annual regression analysis that originators conduct with their Humda data. Now, number six is monitoring activities. Uh, include in the Fair Lending Monitoring Program recent and planned future dates for fair lending related monitoring activities and tests. Document the frequency of monitoring activities, the party responsible for monitoring, the results of the last monitoring performed, and any corrective actions taken. Included in this could be employee performance reviews and audits, include all monitoring for collections and customer service personnel, making sure personnel are trained on how to treat borrowers fairly, ensuring those calls are monitored and audited to that end. Number seven is corrective action. Process for taking corrective action or the steps taken to mitigate risks needs to be documented. Viewing reports for indications of weaknesses or repeat violations of law and resulting risks or harm to consumers is going to be a critical uh, part of that process. What if you don't um, perform servicing in-house? What if you use a subservicer? In that case, um, there are certain conversations that you need to have with your subservicer. So I would recommend that you ask your subservicer 
if they're collecting the data for language preferences and other demographic information for their borrowers? How are they monitoring and testing the decision-making process? And how are they evaluating trends? These are the conversations that lenders need to be having with their subservicers because the lender is ultimately responsible for everything its subservicer does or does not do. So if you need help getting started, which you may offer is fair lending and fair service audits, aggression and services, and we can also help you develop a fair servicing program. Remember, these regulations aren't going away. And let's close with this. In your opinion, what can our listeners do today to be better prepared? To be better prepared, they need to first review their policies and procedures or document policy procedures and begin working on this, this fair service monitoring program. Having something in place to... Um, have everything documented, the training of employees, loan level documentation. Um, these are all going to be critical pieces to this puzzle, and that would be where I would begin. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on today and, and uh, dropping some of this knowledge on our listeners, and I hope to have you back soon. All right. Thank you so much, Robbie. I appreciate it. Is the housing market already cooling off as we enter what has historically been peak home buying season? We saw yesterday that pending home sales fell 1.2% in March after falling a revised 4% in February. Today, MBA reported that home buyer affordability declined in March, with the national median payment applied for by applicants rising 5% to $1,736 from $1,653 in February, per its new purchase applications payment index. It is obviously a mixed bag of headlines when it comes to pushing mortgage rates up or down. We have record inflation, predicted aggressive Fed tightening, which is stoking recession concerns, and uncertainty in Europe with Russia cutting gas supplies to Poland and Bulgaria. The result is increased volatility in the bond market. Today's calendar is underway with the first look at Q1 GDP, which came in down 1.4% when it was expected to come in up 1%. The core PCE deflator came in at 2.7%, also lower than expected. We've also had weekly jobless claims in at 180,000, which is down 4,000, and the only bit of good news so far this morning. Later this morning brings the latest Freddie Mac primary mortgage market survey, Kansas City Fed manufacturing, and a treasury auction of $44 billion of seven-year notes after yesterday's $49 billion five-year note auction met underwhelming demand. The desk will conduct the last two operations on the current schedule, which will target up to $2.4 billion of 30 or 3.5% through 4.5% before releasing a new purchase schedule in the afternoon covering the April 29th to May 12th period. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse than 8th and the 10-year yielding 2.85 after closing yesterday at 2.82%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. My contractor, Ray, was attempting to build a patio for the first time. Maybe the joke's on me that I was using someone who never built a patio before. Anyways, he bought a hundred concrete blocks. Laying them out in a pattern, he discovered the chosen area was too small. He stacked the blocks against the house and cleared more space. The next day, Ray put the concrete blocks back down, only to find that the ground was too hard to keep the patio level. He ordered a truckload of sand to be delivered the following morning. Again, he stacked the hundred blocks against the house. Observing all this, our next-door neighbor asked, 
Ray, you gonna put your patio away every night? I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. In order to stay competitive and differentiate in the tight market, lenders need to find efficiencies and tighten their operations, leveraging systems designed by mortgage experts for mortgage experts. Richie May's advisory services team is made up of mortgage industry experts and designed to help you find efficiencies in the pursuit of compliance and assurance so that you can continue to drive growth and increase profitability. Visit richiemay.com advisory to learn more about how you can differentiate your business or to set up a meeting with one of Richie May's experts. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.